God is good. All the time. God is good. All the time. All the time. Ooh, happy new year. So does anyone have, before we get started, does anyone have any resolutions or anything like that, special ones? Mike. I drink too much sugar water stuff, carbonated sugar water, uh-huh. and uh, I have to stop drinking this carbonated sugar water. All right. That's a good resolution. Ira. Beating my dad at chess. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Is he good? Have you beat him yet? Yes. No, but it's actually pretty good. Awesome. Well, well, uh, every year uh, I try to make a resolution, but then I realize that, you know, when you make resolutions, New Year resolutions, they usually focus on external things like let's not drink coffee or let's lose weight or let's, um, I need to eat, have a better diet. I need to eat better. I need to exercise more, I need to pay more attention to my kids, I need to watch less uh, TV, stream less Netflix, or whatnot. And all of these things are external things, and for me, within the first two weeks, I've I've already disappointed myself. I've already broken my resolutions, and it just makes me spiral down into a worse situation than I was before. And um, what's more helpful is things that are internal, or that have to do with my internal identity, or how I feel about myself, or how God feels about me. So this year, my resolution is to love myself more, to be kinder to myself. And I think, really, that is the root of whatever resolutions you have. And don't get me wrong, they're not bad. It's good to set goals. Um, But those goals really... um, are connected to internal things. Like, I want to be more content with my life. I want to feel better about myself. I want to love myself. And to know more deeply that we are God's beloved, that God loves us, amen? Um, That's an awesome resolution, and so that's going to be my resolution. And that segues really nicely into our new sermon series. Uh, Coming off our Advent series, we're entering into... uh, a series on the Beatitudes of Jesus Christ found in Matthew 5, which uh, sets off his uh, famous Sermon on the Mount. And the sermon series is entitled Hashtag Blessed. Hashtag Blessed. And uh, we're, we're social media savvy here at Renew Church. <laughs> but Hashtag Blessed, if you see the Hashtag Blessed, maybe on Facebook or Instagram, whoa. What do, you, what do you imagine you'll see? People posting hashtag blessed. What does that mean, even? I don't know. I'm really on Facebook. Yeah, they get something good happened to them. They got a new car. They got a, uh, you know, something that they didn't expect um, happened. They got extra money. They got a bonus from work. Whatever. Hashtag blessed. Here's the keys to our new home. Hashtag blessed. We had a new baby. Hashtag blessed. You know, something really usually material, usually physical, usually external, usually good happens and you want everyone around you to be jealous about it. So you post it and say, look what happened to me. Hashtag blessed. Hashtag blessed. Uh, If you think about it, it's kind of weird, right? Because really, is that what it means to be blessed? When people who don't have 
as much or who are lacking read this, it really, it kind of points to this weird kind of theology in our culture that says, if you get good things, material, physical things, that must mean you're blessed. That's kind of like a health and wealth prosperity thing, right? If you get a new house, you're blessed. And don't get me wrong, again, a caveat on the other side, Yes, we should be grateful. Yes, we should be thankful. God gives us good things. God blesses us with things. And, you know, maybe I'm analyzing it too much. It's just people being thankful that they got good things. Hashtag bless. But analyzing it, if you analyze it, it is something weird that we would say physical material things denote our, our blessedness. Jesus said, um, a series of statements starting off the Sermon on the Mount about blessed. What it really means to be hashtag blessed. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. And the thing about these blessings, these benedictions, is one, they come from God. Right? Two, it's not dependent on, uh, they aren't dependent on circumstance or material objects, right? or physical objects. They're internal. They're about who you are. They're, they're about character. And I think our culture, our nation, our country can grow in some character development. Amen? Uh, What happened to the days when it was good to have integrity? Right? What happened to the days when truth mattered? Like, it didn't matter what side of the aisle you are or what group you belong to. Right? What mattered was what is true. What mattered was if you had integrity. What matters is if financially you you use you're a good steward of your money and your finances. What matters is if you're faithful to your wife and to your children and to your family. What matters is if you don't lie or cheat or steal. Character. On one level, Jesus Beatitudes points towards an inward character of what it means to be kingdom people, right? The inward character. You are blessed if your soul disposition, if your heart is oriented in this way. You are blessed if you you walk in the ways that Jesus, what my glasses are fogging up, they're new. I'm getting hot, I'm sweating. Internal things. Not blessed because you got a new car. Blessed because you got a new Xbox. Blessed because you got an elite controller. Blessed because whatever, this or that, hashtag blessed. But blessed because you're poor. The other day, this week, my daughter Cammy, my five-year-old, wanted some hot chocolate. And we have a, we had a, I had bought a bag of mini marshmallows. Um, so they can have mini marshmallows in their hot chocolate. 
and she wanted hot chocolate with mini marshmallows in them and she was carrying the bag of mini marshmallows and they'd already been open so she was so excited she was running around with this bag of mini marshmallows mini marshmallow mini marshmallow hot chocolate mini marshmallow such excitement ran out of the kitchen with them then I look up from my laptop from what I was doing and she's sitting on the ground in our living room in tears. Just, you could see her, no crying, no, just silence, but her eyes were welling up and, and you're just waiting for the moment like, when is the outright wailing gonna happen, right? <laughs> I'm like, what's wrong, Cammy? No words, just tears welling, building and building and then finally her mouth opens and she starts wailing. I spilled the marshmallows. Sure enough, they were all there on the, on the floor. It's okay, Cammy. It was an accident. There's still some left in the bag, see? Let's clean up. And Isaiah jumps up to help, being the helpful brother. And I sit there for maybe six minutes watching Cammy try to pick up the fallen marshmallows um, to throw in the trash. And she had two fistfuls um, at max capacity of any marshmallows. Uh, and there were still like seven or eight on the floor ready to be picked up. And she kept trying to pick the rest of them up. But every time she'd loosen her finger to pick the, those up, more would fall out. And so, you know, rinse and repeat, I just watched for a few more minutes, like, ah, do I step in? Do I just do it for her? She kept trying to pick them up. Every time she released her fingers, pick up, more would fall out, more would fall out. So after several minutes of this, I said, Cammy, just go dump what you have in your hands. Go to the trash, dump what you have in your hands, then go back and pick up the rest. Um, and she's like, oh, empty hands carry more. Empty hands carry more. And uh, we're focusing in on the first beatitude. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Um, <laughs> blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So each week, uh, we're going to have eight weeks of the Beatitudes. There's eight Beatitudes, right? Um, and that, the last week, is going to be the last week before Ash Wednesday, which is the start of Lent. So the series just fits perfectly. Um, we're going to flow right into Lent series. Jesus goes up um, the mountain to speak. And what happens on the proverbial mountaintop. And here's a uh, painting, Sermon on the Mount by Janice Elizabeth Stewart. Here, there are the crowds at the foot of the mountain and Jesus going up. And it says, Jesus goes up the mountain and his disciples come to him. And just before this, Jesus has called his disciples. He's been baptized. It says he starts his preaching ministry and then he begins healing people, right? And so he's already become popular. He's become popular with the people because he's healing them. And you know, even in a ministry experience, that when you, you know, 
when organizations or churches begin to meet people's needs and touch the community and serve them, whether it's food or clothing or other social, physical, emotional needs, that people come and are drawn in because we all need a helping hand. We all hunger and thirst for things. And as Jesus is healing people, they're hungering and thirsting, and the word is going out, and the news is spreading. Here's this amazing teacher, this amazing healer, who's making me walk again. I was blind, and I can see. I was sick, and now I'm healed. And so the crowds are flocking to him. And sometimes Jesus, I don't know why he does this, but it says, one, he saw the crowds. He went up the mountainside. And it, it's kind of a funny scene. It's like, is Jesus running from the crowds? Like, Let's go on up mountainside and see how many people. Let's filter these people out. We'll go on a humongous hike up the mountain and see if they follow us. And whoever is the most fit, only they can be my disciples. <laughs> <laughs> or is he just looking for, you know, a more quiet place, a more chill place? And I think you see that all throughout the gospel, is that Jesus both feeds and interacts with the throngs, the massive crowds. And at the same time, he goes away and has these teaching moments with the few or the handful or the disciples. And I think there's a both and in scripture. And this both and is word and deed, right? And that's what... Actually, as a side note, we're called, I believe, as Christians in the community of faith and as the church is like Jesus to be active and to love in both word and deed. Does that make sense? Deed being to serve people, to help people, to love people, to heal people, to give to people, and word, but also it's about truth. It's about the gospel. It's about teaching. It's about discipleship. And you'll see that there's something, this is my read, there's something in Jesus that when the crowds are like there, you know, there's something in them that's like, but that's not all. That's not the only reason I'm here. I'm not just here to like help these people out and like give these people what they need. It's good. It's a part. I love them. I love people. And I want to do this for my children. But also, I'm here for a purpose. Right? I'm here to bring the gospel word, to, to preach, to teach. And in Matthew, more than any place else, we see this teaching you know, come out, this, this discipling, the proclamation, the teaching of Jesus. And a lot of people look at the Sermon on the Mount and like, this is like Jesus's ethical teaching. This is like his masterpiece of teaching. And um, so it's his disciples that go up right, with him. And this is where he begins to teach. Blessed are you. Blessed are you. Blessed are you. Seeing the crowd, Jesus sits. And in the Jewish culture, the sitting is the position of the rabbi, right? It's the, posi the position of the rabbi. The rabbi would sit, his disciples would surround him, and he would begin to teach. Um, and Jesus here dives right into 
his upside down kingdom. There's no warm up. He doesn't tell a funny story like I like to do, right? He just goes right back. He goes right in, right? And what he's doing is actually really revolutionary. What he's doing is actually really confrontational. A lot of us see the Beatitudes. We're familiar with the blessed are you, right? Where do you see them? You see them when you're using the bathroom. And on the wall, there's like a little plaque. And there's the Beatitudes, along <laughs> with the footprints poster, right? Or a little Hallmark card, you know? The Beatitudes, blessed. You know, they're like little platitudes. As Christians, we should be poor in spirit and be meek, right? And, oh, if we're persecuted, God, you know, he'll, he sees you. You'll be rewarded in heaven, right? And we feel like they're just these platitudes. Maybe they're these ethical teachings and they're things that Christians should strive to be like, right? And I think there's a danger in that. There's a danger in that because it falls way short of what Jesus intended it to be. And two, when we do that, we, we, uh, we run the risk of our faith being that cheesy faith, right? Where Jesus is a crutch and we're just supposed to be, you know, we're just supposed to be mats, you know, that people walk over and just being Christian just means being nice, right? Being Christian does not equal being nice, right? Being Christian means following Jesus. Being Christian means walking in the way. Being Christian means saying no to the empire and saying yes to the way, the kingdom of heaven, amen? It's a cultural shift. It's a paradigm shift. It's a mind blown, and it should affect you. It should change and transform your life, right? And in your life being transformed and living out, it should change your neighbor's lives around you. They should be like, whoa, those people are different. Those people are weird. But I like being around them, right? There's something about that guy. There's something about that lady. There's something about them. It's different. Because I feel safe, not in a because they're nice and pleasant to be around, they're always smiling, and they're like Russell Wilson happy. <laughs> right? It's good, it's good. You know, we got a chance. Come on, guys, let's go, let's go, let's go. Right? Not that. Safe because there's trueness. There's a character there of love. And what Jesus is bringing with this is he's reframing who the Messiah is to be. Jesus is upsetting the expectation of what it means to be the follower of the Messiah and a citizen of the kingdom. Just like we have lots of ideas of what it means to be hashtag blessed. What it means to be blessed. Jesus is rewriting that or re-articulating it. Actually, this is what it means to be blessed. It's the upside-down kingdom versus the right-side-up kingdom. Brian Yon, um, I don't know who he is, some pastor I saw on the internet. <laughs> I'm sourcing, awesome sourcing. But I like what he had to say. He said, These, the Beatitudes aren't just mere platitudes, happy platitudes. Oh, act like this if you're a Christian. 
but they're laser-guided bombs at our culture. They're more than platitudes and do-good ethical statements. They are paradigm-shifting. Right? Just think of it. The people that are awaiting the Messiah, or even the people who came to worship Jesus, the King of the Jews, the Messiah, who was to come, they didn't expect, blessed are the poor in spirit, for yours is the kingdom of God. Right? They either expected some sort of revolutionary king, right, who would come in might and overthrow the powers that were, right? Like, come in your might and your glory and kick these people out. Right? Be strong. Have swagger. Be a head taller than everyone. And have mighty weapons. And finally save us from these people. Make us, make us a glory people again. Make Israel great again. They didn't expect, blessed are you when you're poor. They would have expected, blessed are you, children of Abraham. Blessed are you because you are descendants of Abraham. For yours is the kingdom. Blessed are you because you follow the law to the letter Yours is the kingdom. Blessed are you, Jewish people, the chosen people of God. For yours is the kingdom of God. That's what they would have expected. They would have expected some sort of call towards their chosenness, towards a nationalism, right? Or, or their ethnicity, or their culture, or, or something about the law and the prophets, the scriptures, what they follow, their religion. Because you are those people, yours is the kingdom of God. But that, Jesus throws that upside down, throws a bomb into the culture and says, blessed are the poor. Yours is the kingdom of God. And what he's starting is a seed of a revolution of what it means to be in God's kingdom culture what it means to be marked, what is the integrity and character of a kingdom person. Are you with me, church? Are you with me, church? Yes. Awesome. Don't just give me lip service. I know if there's fire coming out of you. You're not getting in on your own good behavior. You're not getting in because of who you are or what you look like or what your social economic background is, or what your resume is. You're not getting in to the kingdom of heaven like that. You're only getting in when you're empty-handed. Amen? Because empty hands carry more. That's what it means to be poor. That's the gospel, right? And we just are coming out of Christmas, and Christmas is a time of gift-giving. Right? And if you've heard it said, like, there are some people that are hard to give gifts to, right? My mom is easy to give gifts to. I just send her a $100 Macy's card. You know, birthday, Mother's Day, Christmas, boom, 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 and she's happy. Right? That's easy. But 
What do you give someone who's like a multimillionaire, who already has everything? You know, and you've already said, who, how do you give something to someone who has everything? How can you give to someone who has everything? And that's what Jesus is talking about when he says to be poor in spirit, to be empty-handed. Because at the core of the gospel is that God is a magnanimous God. God is a gift-giving God. God is a gracious God. That's the gospel. Do you believe that? And it's because we have, it's our depravity. We have nothing. We cannot gain anything on our own. Only God, not because we deserved it, not because we did anything of our own merit, not because we strive and strive and pull yourself, ourselves up from our bootstraps. You know why they say that phrase? Have you tried to pull yourself up by your bootstraps? You can't do it. Right? It has to do with Newton's law, right? You pull up on your bootstraps, you can't pull yourself up. Right? Because God is a gift-giving God, right? that's the good news only happens when you're empty. And you allow him to give it to you. You cannot save yourself. What does poor in spirit mean? Those who regard their souls as nothing apart from God are poor in spirit. Recognizing our spiritual lack and our inability to save ourselves. And this is an indictment on some of our cultural values in our society towards self-reliance. It doesn't say, blessed are the self-sufficient. Blessed are those that need for nothing. Blessed are the ones who know it all and have, blessed are the mansplainers, right? <laughs> blessed are the people who have it all and have got it put together. Blessed are you when you have an amazing resume, right? And all the letters and the degrees. Blessed are you if you have an awesome car. Blessed are you when you don't have to ask anybody for help. Blessed are you, you know, when you always are the one who's saying, I'm fine, I'm great, when people ask you how you're doing. You're not the one, right, who's the burden in the community. Look at my problem, right? Blessed are you when you always look put, put together. That's not what poor in spirit means. You may be a superior athlete, or the greatest mother in the world, or the CEO of the best company, or a mechanical genius, right? You may be the best Fortnite player in the world, right? You may be able to do the Rubik's Cube in 20 seconds flat, any mixed up one. You may be able to sing so well that you put everyone to sleep. You may be an amazing musician, an artist. You may be an academic, you know, make the best grades, be the best computer software designer, be the best program manager, be, do the, you're the best leader, you bring the best out of your people, 
You may be the tallest, the funniest. You may be all of these things. But when you're in the presence of God, this is what it means to be poor in spirit. You're trembling and you're in awe. And all you realize is how small you are and how great God is. At our best, at my best, I'm bankrupt before him. And this is the beginning of the gospel. This is good news, amen? If you think about it, it's free. Oh my gosh. The Asian, the Asian American in me is like, whoo, this is so freeing, right? You mean it's not about performance, right? Or how much, or that I'm, it doesn't matter that I wasn't a doctor, didn't become a doctor or a lawyer or engineer, right? Or what grade I made? I'm free, right? It doesn't matter. I'm nothing before God. This is the gospel. If you're a person who thinks you have everything, you need for nothing, um, you're impenetrable in your calculations, you are faultless, you are rich in good works, then where is the room for God's love and grace to come in and fill your heart? We are depraved. We are corrupted beyond measure. We are nothing and worthy of an irredeemable existence. And yet, regardless of our own efforts and merits, God saves us. This is good news. You need to be poor in your soul in order to allow Jesus and his kingdom to enter in your life and start moving things around start his excavation work in progress Jesus at work construction zone speeding tickets are double <laughs> and to start excavating do you do some Holy Spirit therapy healing transforming uplifting building. If you are full of pride, if you are full of your, your selfness, you're not open to the word of God to come in, the spirit of God to come in and do its work. Amen? Empty hands carry more. Go and throw away the mini marshmallows that are in your hands because you can't take up something new. Right? Unless you let go of those marshmallows so your hands are open wide for God to start putting new things in there, new possibilities, new hope, new vision, new gifts, new direction. This is a new year. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about the insides. And you'll see if you read through the Sermon on the Mount, Right? There's this interplay Jesus is working with. We mean, right? You have heard it said, for instance, 
you shall not commit adultery. I tell you, do not look at a woman with lust even. Right? He's trying to hit at, um, you guys are focused on the external laws and the rules. But the whole point of those laws and rules is that they, they should transform your inside. They should, everything happens in the inside, from the inside out. Right? And the Beatitudes in and of themselves are compared to the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments have a lot of do nots, do nots, do nots, right? The Beatitudes are do's, right? Be this way, be this way, be this way. But they're really focused on character things like be this way, whereas the Ten Commandments are do nots. And Jesus is actually, also in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, uh, I'm not going to change the law one iota. I'm not here to abolish the law. Right? I'm fulfilling the law. And what he's basically saying is, I'm raising the bar. You guys are on baby level, right? When our kids are little, we say, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, don't do that. Right? Do we stay that way? Right? If my, well, sometimes my parents still say, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this. That's more a reflection of my immaturity. Right? But we say to our children, don't, don't, don't do this. But eventually, what it, mean, what it means to grow is, here, here, I'm going to trust you with the car keys. Right? Take the car keys, and I'm going to see. If you get back at 11 o'clock, the there's not a scratch on the car, and you know I'm not getting a phone call from the cops. Okay, maybe I'll buy you a car. Right? You're given more responsibility. Right? If you're responsible in small things, you're responsible in greater things. Right? And so the training wheels come off. Right? It becomes less about do highly directive commandments and laws in our faith. To black it, it be less about black and white. Do this, don't do that. That's immature faith. Or black and white. And, and more about uh, what's the best word for it? Improvisation. The, the final, like as we walk as disciples of Christ in the way, it's less about the commandments and the rules. Like, don't do this, don't do that. We take off the training walls because we are beginning to take on the character of the kingdom of heaven, right? We're beginning to take on Jesus-like character. So it's not about, it's, it becomes more like art, right? We begin to live like Jesus. We begin to look like Jesus. We begin to smell like Jesus. We begin to love like Jesus, right? And when we interact with people on a day-to-day -day basis, we don't go, oh man, what did it say? You know, what does it say about this situation in the Bible? How am I going to follow that, that to the letter? It's more about what is in the whole arc of Scripture, and, and my experience of being following Jesus and living in the kingdom of heaven, living in that. What does it mean to love this person? Right. And in the Sermon on Mount, Mount, Jesus is saying, it's time to graduate, people. It's time to graduate, people. It's not about the outsides. It's not about following these rules. 
It is, but the whole point of these things is to build up a people, a set-apart people. And so the Beatitudes are a bomb exploding in the culture. Right? Saying, away with the empire and enter in the king, the ruler, the kingdom of heaven. In this new year, instead of striving to be a better version of ourselves, let's lift our hands, our palms open, and ask God, what do I need to let go of? Think about this now. What, what am I holding on to that's not of the kingdom? Make me poor again. Empty me, God, so you can change me. Real change. Real transformation. Not this false, false self. These false narratives or false projections. Let go of that. Trust that God has good life for you. Trust that God can make things right. Trust that God can fill you up with what you really need. Let's pray.